We get it. You're busy. You don't have time to waste on the mainstream media. That's why Salem News Channel is here. We have hosts worth watching, actually discussing the topics that matter. Andrew Wilkow, Dinesh D'Souza, Brandon Tatum, and more. Open debate and free speech you won't find anywhere else. We're not like the other guys. We're Salem News Channel. Watch anytime on any screen for free 24-7 at snc.tv. And on Local Now, Channel 525. The views and opinions expressed by Rob Black and his guests are not necessarily those of KDOW or its management owners or advertisers and should not be construed as legal tax or investment advice. Always consult with the appropriate advisor before making any investment or financial planning decision. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. We go back to 2009. Lady Gaga had poker face. Poker face. You had the black eyed peas doing boom, boom, pow. Boom, boom, pow. San Francisco was a different city, to say the least. In 2009, you had the inauguration of the first African-American president of the United States, Barack Obama. You had war in Afghanistan. You had war in Iraq. You had Climate Gate. Uh, a lot of big stories, right? 2009, a decade ago, there was just a subset of people who were obsessed with Twitter in San Francisco. I would see Lady Gaga in concert. Now, here's the problem with me seeing Lady Gaga in concert. No one would go with me. I would once again be at a concert all by myself. It's the saddest thing ever. Would you be my friend and go to Lady Gaga with me? No. I was so ugly as a kid, my mom had to tie pork chops on my neck to get the dog to play with me. I love Gaga. So, okay, the dot-com imploded in 2000, right? So by 2009, it was a decade later, we said goodbye to the sock puppet. But in 2009, we were playing with Bay Area real estate, too. It was an interesting time. The median price for a single-family home in San Francisco was $751,000. Tony, that was just 10 years ago. What do you think that number is today? I'd say that's closer to eight fifty. That's closer to a million now. Close. Uh, the number is one point seven million. Per oh, and so you're talking San Francisco? San Francisco. Okay, uh, it's over a million. Yeah, one point one something like that. One point seven. Wow. Uh, property values have doubled in San Francisco in the past decade. Technology has reshaped the city, uh, but not in a single decade long sustained blast of growth. That's about right because I bought my home in that 2008, 2009, 2010 turbulence, and it turned out really, really well for me. It did for a lot of people, certainly. But, but it, it also rejuvenated the, um, you know, that energy that the Bay Area really thrived on for so many years leading up to both of those, you know, the dot-com and then, you know, the Great Recession. People liked the real estate here. Um, yeah. And when they saw those price dips, um, people jumped on it. Uh, a lot of people bailed as well. And uh, those, are, those are the people who kind of trickled back in over the last few several years. And there's a few people still sitting on the fence, but you can't ignore some of those numbers that the real estate here just rocks. Yeah. I mean, that's the best way you can say it. If you can get over the scooter riding zealots out there. <laughs> it's been a weird 10 years for how traffic has changed in the Bay Area with Uber lifts and uh, ride shares and... Yeah, but you know, the culture's definitely changed. A lot, and, and you hear this all the time because you work, I know you work in the city and yeah. you probably hear it a little bit more than I do. 
But, you know, we see it in Oakland. Oakland's the most competitive city in the United States right now because of the overflow from places like San Francisco. They're looking for a different culture that, that has changed significantly. If you, if you can't cut it owning a house, you're out. Rents are too high. Um, and then you start looking at the East Bay as a, a more attractive offer option. So I feel like it's the movie The Hangover where we're kind of slowly learning a little piece of what happened 10 years ago <laughs> yeah. every now and then. Hindsight, right? Hindsight, right? And this is the right year, 2020 hindsight. 2020 hindsight. It's the optometrist's favorite year, for sure. You know, I once started an eye doctor store in Mexico. Went out of business because I called it I, I, I. Okay, um, but do, back in 2008, 2009, 2010, there were still affordability questions. People were freaked out about affordability, but ultimately what wins is supply and demand. And right now, if I were to buy a home today with a gun to my head, San Francisco or New York, I'm going to choose San Francisco because they don't develop as much property as, say, New York City, the city of cranes. It's always being developed. Yeah, there's nothing going um, backwards for the city. Uh, you know, so you... you, you in this kind of growth, you're always going to have, you know, some, some turbulence, you know, the right now, you know, homelessness is a, is an issue. And, uh, but when you, when you get past that and you look at why people want to live in San Francisco, it's still a desirable place. They're not building homes. I mean, Fly the best it. thing you can get there is maybe a condo conversion. And, um, you know, when you, when you put all of the factors together, low interest rates, availability of programs, um, in the mortgage market yeah. and limited, you know, the limited inventory, I think Let's I may have said that. Let's not underestimate the low interest rates and what it's done for America. Oh my wealth, gosh. Whether yeah. it's the stock market or the real estate market. Trillions, trillions of dollars of savings uh, across the board compared to our net, our historical average of it's around six and a quarter percent, even after the last several years of low interest rates, sub four. I was feeling that the market was starting to get tired in real estate on the high end. My real estate hasn't moved and it's not high end. It just has a high sticker price. So it's been three years of me going sideways and don't feel bad for me because it was seven years of me going up 10% a year. Well, even back then there was a lot of predictions on what would happen in real estate. And and just kind of like how we we watch the bonds all the time because that kind of the underlying index for mortgage rates, um, you know, they talk about how we're, we're hitting plateaus and it needs to settle in and, and uh, figure itself out, you know, between its range. And that's what real estate's done in the Bay Area. It's hit its new plateau. Can it sustain itself? I think that's what 2017 to 2020 has really kind of worked itself out. So it, there could be a, a period of, 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 um, of, I don't want to say stalled, but just, you know, kind of working itself out. There's a lot of equity being built. And don't forget, every year you're making, every month you're making a mortgage payment towards your principal. And, and I think there's a lot more equity continually being built in the Bay Area that does get shuffled around. Property taxes, though, they never go away. And that's something that will kind of suppress the growth a little bit because, you know, I was talking to an well, investor I, the other day, yeah, who, yeah. Uh, yesterday, in fact, who, who said he pays uh, $22,000 a year in, in property taxes for one of his investment properties. And that's only on a $1.6 million property in Oakland. And I mean, imagine, it's like that never goes away. In fact, it only goes up. And, you know, you just, it, it does get more expensive. So we're hit a plateau. What's well, me top? Yeah. Thank you. You kind of stalled out there. You kind of were out of information, you were out of gas. Supply and demand is what's driving San Francisco. Yes. And what's interesting to me is, you know how Apple was, it's doubled in the last year, essentially? Going from $700 billion to $1.4 trillion market cap. I see that as it's going to continue to make the housing even crazier in the Bay Area. Um, or Microsoft or Amazon being trillion-dollar companies. Um, and I'll, I'll give you a quick example. My son, Zach, an amazing son. 
He, he's like the wind. He's beautiful. He's everything, everything you would want. When he plays soccer, he's amazing. There's a kid on his soccer team, Daniel, who's awesome. Little kid, just he, he, he's eloquent. He, he, he runs like a ballerina. It's unbelievable to watch. His dad speaks kind of a broken English, works at Apple. Uh, he's worked at Apple, and I don't know what position. I know he's not an engineer. I know he's not like the technical wizard who made a phone or a chip or something like that. Just kind of like one of the staffers there, you know, maybe human resources or something that's, you know, I'm not talking down on human resources. Do you know how much money he's made just owning that stock, getting stock options from the company? Even little ones. About 78% increase last year or something like that. And yeah, it's, all, it's, pretty, it's pretty good. So coming to America, immigrant, wonderful story. He can buy a house in the Bay Area because of stock options. And I, I think that's going to create a bit of more of a problem. It, it is going to and create a separation, too. Uh, there are going to be a lot more haves and have-nots here in the Bay Area. Uh, it certainly put a damper on people who have been sitting on the sidelines, like first-time home buyers that are just going, hey, you know, I got, we've saved some down payment. The first-time home, home buyer. Faster. The first-time home buyer who has a regular job. It's tough to compete with Uber and Lyft when you get stock options worth millions. I want to buy a house with stock options. And then Apple, you buy it with stock. It ain't that shabby, but it makes it very, very difficult for the average person to work in this market. I'm Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He's my mortgage guy. He did a mortgage for me last year and the year before. Find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Want the podcast with music? Find the link to the other version of the podcast by going to Rob Black's Twitter. His handle is at Rob Black Show. Listen to Rob Black and Your Money weekday mornings, 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Last segment, I talked about 10 years ago, buying into real estate and how nervous we all were. Like, is the 2008, is the housing recession over? Or is it safe to get back in? People were freaked out because there is a big obligation. I've got a family member who just bought a house and let's just put it this way. Life hits you with like crazy life issues that are very costly. I don't know if they're going to make it. Because they bought a little bit more than they could afford. I once was eating London broil steak, Tony. And uh, I was like eight. I was so excited, nine years old. My dad took me to like the officer's club. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you remember how the sure. army works, but there's an officer's club and there's an NCO, non-commissioned officers. And uh, the officer's club is a little bit nicer than the non-commissioned officer's club. I think the army breeds alcoholics, but that's a whole different topic. <laughs> um, and I only tell you that because my dad was an alcoholic and he was in the army. Um, but I had some London Royal steak and it was so good. And then I started choking on it in front of my dad. <laughs> Have you ever choked on meat in front of your dad? No, it's the worst thing. It's like dummy, dummy. I told you to chew your meat kind of thing. It's not a good, I scenario. did something as bad in front of my dad with a piece of meat. <laughs> and I, Can we say this on air? Of course. Uh, I, I got my filet mignon. And uh, I cut it open, and it was too rare, and I sent it back. And my dad just looked at me like, what are you doing? And the guy, of course, brought it back seared completely yeah. all the way through, and it was awful. But, yeah, we all do stupid things in front of your, your dad, and you, that's how you learn. Well, I, I, I that's brought, how you learn about your dad, I brought too. up biting off more than you could show. Sure. Um, reverse mortgages. We're starting to see some of the negative ramifications of reverse mortgages. Now, you're in the mortgage business. You tend to get people a 30-year product, buy a house, Here's $600,000 courtesy of Tony, and you pay him back slowly over 30 years, 15-year mortgage, 5-year mortgage, 7-year mortgage. But reverse mortgages kind of were a thing, and now we're starting to learn that some people are 
reverse mortgages are leaving families battling for property after death of their parents. And that's not a good thing, but and that happens with or without reverse mortgages. That's fair. Um, and we're, we're working with a, we're not working with, but we've, we've run into a, cl- a past client who's having family issues where they took over the house and uh, in order to get, keep the mom there, they took out money out of the house, but they, oh, they had to transfer the title over to the other person's name, the daughter's name. And now the family's fighting over the, the property because it's in the other name. And so lawyers get involved in, and I, so it doesn't matter what product you have. Um, reverse mortgages did get a bad rap because there were huge commissions to uh, I 6% commissions on a mortgage is, is just outrageous. Uh, Dot Frank came around and the, you know, there were some regulations on how much you can, um, charge on a reverse mortgage. So it, it's fixed itself in a way, but it's still, you still run into that issue. Let me play the human of Rob Black in sure. this story. Um, if you have parents who own a home and you think you're going to inherit it, talk to your parents. Because a lot of people are learning, and I, I, I've seen this in my family, where the dad was like, I'm going to take out a reverse mortgage and go buy a car. I'm 75 years old. I, I deserve a little respect. Like, he wants a, a car that screams of respect at 75, does a reverse mortgage. His kids never know. Um, and a lot of people are, are running into that, where dad takes out a reverse mortgage and goes out and blows some money. And then the kids have to pay back that lien um, well, if they want to put if they want to the keep house, the house, right. if they want to keep the house. So that's where there's just miscommunication or a lack of communication where, you know, it's, it's part of, hey, that, that was part of our inheritance. What did you, how did you screw that up with a reverse mortgage? Oh, bad reverse mortgage. I mean, that's how things play out in that way. And like I said, it could be almost any mortgage. He could just simply have done a cash out refinance and all of a sudden, instead of having 80% equity, he now has 20% equity. Yeah. Um, stuff like that happens. And uh, I mean, I just, I'm just surprised at how few people talk to their parents about money issues. I, I know. And it was, it was weird because I, I grew up with a family where I didn't start talking to my dad or my dad didn't start talking to us about financial issues until really late. You, yeah. And you know this uh, firsthand where, in fact, it, he should have taken a reverse mortgage, which would have allowed him to stay in the house, which he sold anyways. Yeah. And he needs the money for his retirement when he could have used a reverse mortgage. So it does have its purpose. I, it does fit into a financial plan yeah. in retirement sure. if it's done right and there's the communication. Communication's always been a, an issue when it comes to any kind of money. You know that. I yeah. mean, you, you talk about it all the time where family members talk about money. You, are you, why are you running my credit before we get married? There's a reason. Um, it's <laughs> money, you know. Before we get married. <laughs> You've been sticking around with me too long. Oh, I know. I know. Um, I'll show you mine if you show me your credit report. <laughs> used to mean something a little different when we were kids, but that's what it means. But it's so easy nowadays. I mean, here, here's my credit report. Boom, 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 boom. Done. Yeah. And it's not like you have to go somewhere and get it and print it out. It's right there on your phone. Yeah. Um, so it's, I mean, but, but just like uh, buying real estate with a partner, you, you, you don't just randomly pick a friend and say, hey, you want to buy some real estate. You need to know a little bit more about them. Uh, and that's where people get, you know, the saying, you know what you got to know about is spouses. Well, the saying in real estate is if you want to lose a friend or a family member buy real estate with them. Yeah. Uh, because that, that's what happens. So reverse mortgage has got a bad rap because it just, they're the ones to blame. But who else are they going to blame? They're not going to blame their parents. They're blaming the, the product they got. Reverse mortgages are also very pricey products. And again, what I'm trying to get out of this segment is talk to your parents. Yeah. Um, I own a home that. I don't really care. I, it could turn into a rental. My second home, I wouldn't mind keeping in the family. I'm going to name it something cool like the Black Chalet. 
and it has to stay in the family for 200 years. <laughs> Do you find people are still... At least be named the Black Chalet for 200 years. Something like that. Yeah. yeah. Do you find that people um, are sentimental about real estate and mortgage and like the whole reverse mortgage thing? Some people want to live in their parents' home. To me, that, that sounds like a nightmare. We get it all. Yeah. Um, and yes, to answer your question, yes, people are very emotional and sentimental about their properties, uh, about being around family members. I think that's the most important part. But owning real estate also kind of involves you in the whole touch and feel um, aspect of of ownership. You, you you get involved with the house. I built that house. I planted that tree. I mean, you, you had a family member who, unfortunately, the house burned down, but he planted those two huge trees yeah. in his backyard. He can always say that. And then, you know, and the next thing you know, he has to sell his house. It's like you, you do get involved and it's tough, especially named, on the family the trees after two of the family members. <laughs> he did not. He did. So one's called, I don't want to say names, um, but they both survived. Oh, they did. One of, one of them took a little more damage than the other one in the okay. rows of fires. But anyhow, that's off topic. Back 10 years ago, the top story of the year, the most searched story of the year was the Colorado boy found in the attic, not in the balloon. <laughs> Worthy of note, 10 years changes a lot. I'm Rob Black. That's Tony Mendez. Find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. Catch Rob Black and Rob Black and Your Money live on the Bay Area Airwaves. Weekday mornings from 7 to 9 on AM 1220 KDOW. And streaming live on the KDOW radio app or KDOW.biz. Gordon Matthew Thomas Summer. Also known as Sting. 1977 to 1984, he was with the police. That's it. Seven golden years. They came out with two or three of the, I think, greatest albums of rock. I don't know. Atlantis de Mor. Then he had his solo career, which I'm not that crazy about, but I'm digressing. Net worth? How much do you think Sting is worth? Tony Mendez, I'll let you answer this first. Seventy-five million. I'll let the producer Z throw in a quick answer. Stick four hundred million dollars. Wow! For singing a little pop song here and there. Don't stand so. Don't stand so. And Roxanne. Remember the first time you heard Roxanne? That was oh, a, that was a moment. Yeah. Anyhow, ten years he's been dead. The king of pop music, Michael Jackson. It's been 10 years. wonder whatever happened to Bubbles. Miss Chimp. Did his Santa Barbara ranch ever sell? I, I believe it, it did. Did it? Okay. I was going to say, I, I, did it, I didn't think it did, because it, it was on. It was for sale for quite a while there. It's a very interesting place. I've been there. Not in it, but I, I used to... <laughs> Please tell me you were a kid. No. <laughs> Please make the story better. Embellish it. No, I didn't. I, I was a little kid on I, the I used to hike wheel. in the hills above it. <laughs> <laughs> Well, that's not a good story. That was that was when my sister-in-law moved to California, and they lived here for a, two years, and they left because they thought that it was too expensive to buy a $450,000 house. That would be worth $900,000 Which would a day. be, yeah, and they, that was in a beautiful town called Buellton. Yeah. And uh, they've since moved back to Kansas City, and, um, you know, yeah. it is, they, they took a smaller salary back there to buy a house. I, 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 I don't want to live in Kansas City, so... That's just me. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. We're talking a little bit about real estate today and maybe talking to your parents about, you know, 
what's your financial situation, whether it be a reverse mortgage or what have you. I've seen some people 70 plus do some really silly things, financially speaking, um, and not necessarily for the betterment of the pot or the community, but for the betterment of themselves. So it's worthy of note. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Um, hot stock market means more bidders on homes. The housing market not going to cool off quite yet, but at some point it should. In theory, it's a cycle, right? We yeah, we started early this year. Uh, it's one of the hottest Januarys, volume wise, that we've seen in a long time. And uh, uh, you know, all of the the major companies out there, like Redfin's and the Association of Realtors on you know, national and California, they're all predicting that uh, we're going to see a lot more bidding wars in the first half of the year, and it might cool off, but it's also going to drive prices out. One, I think. Um, I don't want to misquote it, but uh, there was one of those entities said that uh, we expect the first half of the year to see even 6% increase in the, uh, on home prices on a year-over-year gain and then slow down at the end of the year because of the lack of inventory and the high demand. Low interest rates are, are going to stick around for a little bit. You know, we have some global pressures. Uh, you know, rates can't go up. We're part of this global economy where interest rates are low around the world. And uh, people will flock, continue to flock in turbulent markets to things like bonds and treasuries, which okay. drive interest rates down. And we will or, or keep them low. Let's not say drive down because they are already down. And that's what we're going to experience, I believe, in a, in a longer period of time. And this will continue to fuel that commitment to real estate. In your career, mortgage man, Tony Mendez, in your career, have you seen any like periods of time where Big money said, no, we're not going to lend. We're not going to give out $600,000 to anyone who wants to buy a home. We're just not going to do it. Have you seen big money curb or is there always going to be a desire for big money to get into the mortgages and kind of keep that business floating and moving? Well, we're, we're seeing a, 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 we've seen a resurgence of that over the last three or four years with j- the jumbo market has yeah. really picked up. Um, and it's not it, the money's always been there. It's kind of like if if you ask me hey, what are rates what what are rates today are they going up or down rates never change it's the price of the rate so with guidelines the money's already there it's the guidelines go back and forth are they hard or are they soft uh, right now they're leaning towards the softer side it's easier to get a loan today as opposed to 2009 yes uh, 2010 we went through a very tough time with you know through the great recession the mortgage meltdown and lenders really kind of they they just tightened up and they said we don't want to lend to anybody except for you know, a paper people. And now that's loosened up and it makes sense. And that's another reason why rates are low is because of the tight guidelines. So don't knock them too much. That's why the rates are low because they can turn around and sell that security at a, at a higher rating to the, to the, the investor, the person who's buying it at a cheaper price because it's a more quality product. That's because of the guidelines. Now that you get it farther away from the standard guidelines and the rates go mortgage up. Mortgage man, Tony Mendez. I have a question. Sure. Sorry. As far as guidelines go. Yes. Um, I kind of know this because I talk to you pretty regularly, irregularly, and um, guidelines are weird. Like sometimes a guideline will say thing, something like, um, "If the person who wants to borrow money has a relative in Columbia, we will not lend the money." And you're like, "Is that really a guideline?" Like some of yeah. them are pretty specific. That that's totally made up, but they get kind no, of. You're right. It 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 goes to like first time home buyers on jumbo. You need to put twenty five percent down instead of. 20, uh, 25, uh, 20% down or 20, 25% down instead of 20. Okay. If your credit score is 720 or lower kind of thing. Uh, it, I've seen guidelines get, like if you've had a bankruptcy in the last six years, it's okay. If you've actually put money in a bank for two and they're like, people are writing these like odd code. 
And, and you're, you're going to find most of those in in the non-conventional arena, okay. which is Jumbo and what they call non-QM. Non-QM is supposed to pick up the slack of everything that Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, USDA, and FHA and VA do not use. Okay. And Jumbo. So it's non-qualified mortgages, what they're called. It's like portfolio loans. It's like in. Um, it's like banks have. Okay, I have two hundred million dollars. I'm going to a month. I'm going to sell up onto the our own money instead of selling it to Fannie Mae, Freddie Mac, and all those. I guess entities. what I'm trying to say is, you just said someone has a two hundred million dollars they want to lend out. Right. Why not put that money in like tech stocks or tech ventures or dot com? It's a hedge. Like why? A lot of these companies are hedging. Yeah, they're hedging. Right. Um, you'd be surprised how many lenders are actually uh, uh, a branch of an insurance company, for example, and that's okay. hedging money or keeping money safe over here, and they're just going to lend it out to them uh, into the mortgage market, and it, it's a safe place for them to put money because they set a, an amount of guidelines, they, they get an expected amount of return on that investment um, based on those type of guidelines. So that's why you see such a range in rates when you're looking at different credit scores and different products because it gets categorized into a different slot and a different investor, um, and that's you know that's just the way the mortgage market works. And it, and it and going back to your original question, we have loosened up on guidelines. The guidelines right now are the are the loosest we've seen in many many years and it's it's the the nature of capitalism. There there's money to be spent. They they see that we can sell this money cheap um, and and secure it at a certain rate to the consumer. Uh, and the guidelines fit it. So the, the saying in to sum it all up the saying is the harder your loan the better your rate. The easier loan the higher your rate. So if you want to get the lowest rate, it might be harder. How much do you think Bono is worth? If Sting was worth four hundred million, how much do you think Bono is worth from you two? Um, he might. He's got bandmates. I, I'd say Sting left his. Behind. I'd say somewhere around four fifty. <laughs> I have no idea. Seven hundred million. Okay. I'm not laughing at you. I'm laughing at you. <laughs> go, go. Yeah, Jimmy Buffett's in there somewhere. Let's see what Jimmy Buffett's net worth is. You know, for the record, I don't like Jimmy Buffett. I'm not a big fan of Jimmy Buffet. And uh, I once made a girl cry in South Carolina. Because in South Carolina, they love Jimmy Buffett. And I said, he changed his name to Jimmy Buffet. You didn't hear? <laughs> and you've been saying it wrong for all these years. And she started bawling. She's like, his name is not Jimmy Buffett. Yeah, there's... Okay, cheeseburgers in paradise. $600 million. It's pretty. He's up there. Wow. Yeah. More than Sting. Whose career would you rather have? Guy who goes from island to island singing garbage music or Sting, who was a rock and roll god, married to the same woman? I, I don't know. I'd pick either, maybe. Probably <laughs> island to island. Island to island does yeah. not sound bad at this point in time. Not at all. Speaking of which, uh, buying a home on an island, have you, do you have any experience? For like, I'm getting questions now from people like, I own a home in Australia, and I'm thinking about I've got a big capital gain in it, but... I actually have this question. This guy wants to kind of like not pay taxes. I, I, I think I got the same email. Okay. That's interesting. Um, he wants to do, try to do a 1031 exchange yes. into the United States. Yes, yes. I got the same email. Um, I believe if, uh, what I research is he, he can sell his property in Australia, pay the taxes and get a credit towards United can States we, tax. Can we shame him? No, it's not shame him. <laughs> I want to shame him. When you're listening to multiple hosts and calling different hosts for the same question, I don't think it's helping you. 
Um, I, I, I think ultimately he just talk, talk, talk to a CPA. Yeah, that's what I hear. That's yeah. what I say. That's, that's Taxes what I are complicated. I wish I could talk about them on air, but everyone's tax situation is different. And we are highly encouraged not to talk about taxes in our industry. I'm highly encouraged not to talk about taxes yeah. uh, for the same exact reason of just legal issues of some people won't throw in the fact that, oh, by the way, I'm a Canadian citizen. And they're like, oh, what do you think I should do with all my shares of Apple? I've got a capital gain of this. And they're like, okay, you know, are you going to repatriate that money back to Canada at some point? Like, there's too many questions. And that, that, again, that comes down to, like, even real estate. There's too many opinions, and it's tough to give generic advice because uh, a mother who wants to live 20 minutes from the beach and 20 minutes from the big city and 20 minutes from the great restaurants yeah. is different than someone who wants to it's, live in Tracy and save money. Yeah, it's easy to buy a house with 20% down and live in it for a few years. But once you start getting more equity, you start having kids, you start having more real estate investment properties, maybe a second home, maybe a commercial property, you got to surround yourself with a good team of uh, a CPA. I would start with a CPA because taxes can kill you. Yeah. In, in real estate, especially if you're moving it around and you don't know what you're doing. I feel kind of gauche for saying this. I haven't done my own taxes in 15 years. <laughs> That's kind of a weird luxury, ever, right? Yeah. Tony Mendez, you can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. He does my mortgages, my refis. I'll probably use them again, but for now, I've got enough mortgages. You can find him at BayAreaLoanSource.com. You can find me at RobBlackShow.com. Don't forget, there's another hour of today's show to listen to. Find it now at kdow.biz or on the KDOW radio app. Snoop Dogg once said, I got my mind on my money and my money on my mind. Taylor Swift worth $400 million. Lady Gaga, $350 million. Now, Taylor Swift's 30, so she's starting to get to that age where her biological clock is ticking. Could you imagine winning the lottery and having Taylor Swift as your mom? Woo! She's been considered to be like a really good mogul with her money. Buys a lot of real estate. Not spending a lot of money on, on cash issues. But now again, real estate could be a problem too. Because property taxes, right? That's what a lot of professional football players don't don't remember, Tony is that the property taxes keep coming every yeah. year that you don't play. Yeah, they keep coming. They don't get any smaller. Yeah, um, yeah you, you, you don't have to have $400 million. You could have half a million or even less uh, if you surround yourself with the right people uh, and make the right decisions. And, you know, it, you, you see a lot of people with money, and they go out and they buy something that doesn't earn any money. The best thing to do with, with some cash is, is to make it work for you. And real estate's done a really good job with that. Um, rents have gone up. Uh, home prop values have gone up. Investors feel really confident. One of the things we're seeing in the market right now are, are investors coming back out and saying, hey, we've earned a lot of equity. I want to take some more money out. And I want to get some more property because, and, and there's plenty of, in, in California, across the nation, there's a lot of places that are, that uh, rents are exceeding the mortgage payments where, and that's equals cash flow. And people are looking for those kind of investments and they're active, very active right now. And they feel good about 2020. It sounds kind of like a, a promo in a way, but that's what we're seeing right now. Sure. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Anything you want to talk about, we can talk about money investing and more. Um, you talked a little bit about, you and I were kind of goofing off during the break and looking up celebrities' net worth. You said Taylor Swift probably has a good good team around her, good management team. It's certainly, there hasn't been a lot of TMZ news on her about squandering money or like, you know, champagne-fueled nights in Vegas destroying rooms or anything like that. But having a good team around you, and that's the nice thing about the show, is that you, I get to share you with the world. 
and say, you know, here's some ideas on mortgage lending because I, I don't like the cookie cutter approach. I don't think that when I can go into a bank ever again after having worked with a lender um, who can shop around and, and help show me the numbers before I feel like I'm over. Is there a feeling, do people feel like, uh-oh, I'm committed now? Like, I, I feel almost like if you talk to a banker and say, what are the rates? And they're like, here's a mortgage application. I almost feel like that mortgage application is like, uh-oh, it well, becomes real then. Lenders were known for taking application fees and, and kind of making you feel I forgot committed. about that. It is one of, the, one of the only fees that you can charge a borrower before you disclose, which is a really important part that came out of Dodd-Frank. And so, yeah, you do feel committed once you make that payment. You're like, oh, I'm locked in. But they'll, they'll refund that to you if you don't do the transaction. Uh, no, I'm sorry. They'll refund it if you do the transaction. Right. If you don't do the transaction. So you do feel like you're you're tied into that. that tra- yeah. Um, we don't really feel on our end. We, we only get paid when we finish a transaction. Yeah. Um, and that, that motivates us, uh, you know, in, in many, many ways to finish the transaction, not only fast, but... Um, you know, as easy as possible for you, which it, which it has. And that's a really good part of, of uh, another part of this decade. It, things, technology has made doing home loans a lot easier for us and for the borrower. The borrower is the most important part. And that's where the lenders are ground. You know what? We're, there's just not a lot of transactions. We need to really ramp up our service. And that's really, it made a big difference. You saw it. I mean, you just did a transaction. It was probably the easiest one you've done recently. You think? I, I I do. I mean, from from my point of view, it was. Yeah. You know, it, as far as you know, the approval and and you know, shuffling paperwork back and forth. Um, you're getting used to it too. I mean, yeah. if if you haven't bought a property in ten or done a transaction in ten fifteen years, it might seem difficult because back then it was all what they call back end uh, loaded. You would get your approval without any documentation, and then you had to supply it at the end. So it seemed a lot easier. It's okay. like a one-time thing instead of a multiple um, multiple disclosures, a lot less disclosures, in fact. So, yeah, if you haven't bought a property in 10, 15 years, it's it's going to seem a lot different. Um, but the, the more you, but but that's another, I think, um, benefit that came out of our mortgage meltdown is I think people came out wiser. Uh, they know a little bit more about the risk of doing real estate, a little bit more about the transaction, a little bit more about what APRs are and, and, and an interest rate and what the differences are. And how to shop for a loan? How to you know? Do I go online or do I not? I think uh, uh, do I go to a broker? Or I do. A, do I go to a lender? And and people have figured out which side has actually the greener grass. It's interesting because uh, I think real estate and mortgages in particular, it's kind of seductive. Um, I remember doing a couple seminars in two thousand, where there was a couple and there was four hundred people at the seminar. It was huge. There's too many people, but I, I kept making eye contact with two people. She was missing a lot of teeth, and he looked like he just got out of like a 20-year drug rehab program. Like he looked tired. Like he looked like tired. Yeah. And they're like, "We want to make millions buying houses." I'm like, "I don't think you fit my profile of what is going to make a, a Donald Trump real estate tycoon per se." But it, it just real estate brought out it brought out some crazies. It depends on who's selling it to you because I I don't hear any real estate gurus out there saying real estate's not going to make you money. You're only going to hear people mm. promoting that it's going to make you money. That's why it's going to attract everybody. Real estate does have that allure yeah. of, uh, uh, but 
it, it's not as quick as people think it is. It can be if you have money to, to invest. You don't have to go out and buy a program that does it for you. You don't have to go to, uh, it doesn't hurt to go to seminars. Mortgage uh, but accelerators. You, huh? Mortgage, mortgage, mortgage accelerators. Yeah, I mean, there, there is a lot, there's a lot of gimmicks out there, but there's for also $4,000. We could accelerate your mortgage. You'll pay it off in 15 years. I can tell you how to do that. It's send in an extra payment. Send an extra payment. So Make more money. Only <laughs> and don't pay the $4,000 program Buy another fee. property that actually helps you pay for your your mortgage. A lot of people do that with with investment property. They take the, the cash flow and they pay off their mortgage. I mean, If you want to talk to CFP Chad Burton, you can. He's at newfocusfinancial.com. He's part of my team. If you want to talk to Tony Mendez, you can find him at bayarealonesource.com. It's bayarealonesource.com. There's a lot to think about with some of these financial decisions. I want you to have a good retirement. That's my goal on this show. Don't wear it out. I'm Rob Black.